Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Welcome to another episode of Syndicates. I'm your host, Armand Haddad. This season, we are shining the spotlight on art house films and the power of cinema within our lives. Today's focus is on the 2019 cosmic opera, Blood Machines by director Seth Ickerman with a soundtrack composed by Carpenter Brut. To unpack this film, I am accompanied by a roundtable of cinephiles. The first is a cosmic podcaster from WSDR, Galactic Public Access, Aaron. Welcome back to Syndicate. Armand, thanks for having me back. I'm glad that you're back on board. And the second is a local freelance artist, Josh. Welcome back to Syndicate. Thanks for having me again. I'm glad that you're here. Can you get that sucker right on oh, your oh, mouth? Oh, oh, right on my mouth? Right on my mouth. Right on my mouth? Is that better? Even more. Even more? More. Go more. deeper. Do you want me to go on my knees? Deeper. <laughs> you guys are... <laughs> deeper. 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 Okay. We're getting... Oh, no. <laughs> A fist length away. And finally, the Instagram model himself, the designer, Diego Reyes Alicia. Welcome back, Diego. How's it going, Armand and company? It's good <laughs> to see you guys again. It's good to see you. Likewise, always. So we're all here today. So we watched a movie called Blood Machines. Mm-hmm. So before we get into the movie, I know some of us know the music in the film. Josh, I want, I want to know, how did you discover the artist, Carpenter Brut? Uh, so Carpenter Brut and only familiar with because of how much my playlist is polluted work playlist is polluted with all kinds of edm and cyberpunk like music and futuristic music any major cyberpunk sci-fi matrix inspired music soundtrack that you're going to find especially on the independent scene aka soundcloud 
you're going to have Carpenter Brunt somewhere in that playlist, one way or the other. His stuff always ends up in that genre of music of industrial, EDM, hardcore, futuristic, whatever tags you want to use, that is the kind of music you hear all throughout this film. Oh, yeah, because it's all composed by him. And it's just so crazy because it's like, man, I've been a fan of industrial for a long time. And then with this crazy new movement of like synthwave, like five or six years ago. Yeah. And he's like the hardcore side of that type of music. Aaron, I know you know him too. How did you first discover this artist? Honestly, just like random YouTube compilations of synthwave. Um, and, uh, yeah, he just showed up on one of those mixes and I'm like, oh, I'll add that to my library. And then like I use YouTube music and it just keeps recommending him over and over again. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this guy's all right. Yeah. I'm like a hybrid of both because like I listen to a lot of music from YouTube and then I get a little video as like a little special treat. Yeah. Those are available. And man, Carbon and Brut like really stood out because it's like, it sounds really good not amateurish and like also unique and inspired Mm -hmm. because like with this uh genre a lot of covers of like existing songs or songs from like the 80s uh, when that type of music popularized so like he really stood out in the sea of synthwave we talked about carbon and so i I am assuming you first listened to turbo killer yep And that was like the gateway drug into Carpenter Brut was Turbo Killer. Yeah, that's right? pretty much, yeah. yeah. What's a Turbo Killer? Turbo Killer. So this film, Blood Machines, that we saw mm-hmm. is all composed by this one uh, artist in France, and he creates hardcore synthwave music. Oh. And, and this is Carpenter Brut. So this is Blood, yes, and this is Blood Machines, and then it was inspired from a music video. Wait, the movie was inspired by a music video? Yeah. By which music video? Turbo Killer. Oh, the one Armand sent in the group chat weeks ago. The, the one they said, watch this beforehand. I did not watch. I literally <laughs> went into this like super blind. I kind of saw the first, um, like I said, I, I watched the first trailer for this movie and I was like, honestly, in we go. Like, <laughs> I kind of feel like as of late, like sometimes trailers just have been like giving away a little too much for me. So I've been having a lot of fun just like going in blind when it comes to visual art and whatnot so yeah you know i'm the same way because it's like there's just so many and it's like i don't want to get spoiled Mm -hmm. i want to see it on the screen Mm -hmm. i want to go and drive because sometimes the movies aren't as good as the trailer i mean that that happens i know it happens i mean to be fair Mm -hmm. that's what's supposed to happen that's marketing if they're going to show you the best movie even if it's a good movie Look back in the Lord of the Rings or the first Matrix or uh, even the Star original Star Wars movies. You have the best, most iconic scenes in those trailers. It is absolutely like there's reason trailer and teaser are in between. Okay. The teasing is never best, is never as good as like the main event. <laughs> Take mm. that how you will. Mm. <laughs> so it's like an inverted pyramid where it's like the tease, the trailer, the mm. second trailer. The final trailer. Movie. <laughs> mm. 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I would say so. I, I have cast. <laughs> I think, I think trailers for movies are very much. You're gonna look at the best parts of the film. That's what mm. you have to go expecting. Okay. Sort of like if someone says, shows you gameplay footage of the next big game to come out. If you look at, for example, oh shoot, the new God of War. I remember the first new God of War gameplay footage. It looked amazing, and it's a great game. Don't get me wrong, but in that first footage they showed at E3. It really is the highlight, highlight moments of like, okay, this shit isn't happening all throughout the entire game. Just like in the trailer for a really good movie or bad movie, you're going to have the most memorable parts of the movie in there, the big highlight scenes yeah, and moments. Mm-hmm. I, agree. I agree. Or you could just see an elevator filled with blood. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the, entire, yeah. the entirety of the teaser for The Shining. Trailer and, and and that ends up being one of the most memorable scenes in the entire movie. Is the, yeah, the there's a lot more to it than that. That's true. That's true. I don't, I don't know. I feel like in The Shining, if you put too much in the trailer, The Shining would get lost on people because The Shining is a pretty chaotic movie. It like is. it's got some really chaotic energy that it just like. What scenes could you have put in there that wouldn't have screamed horror to people, or that would like would have been like. I don't know. It just, it doesn't seem like a movie you could really take some pieces out of and be like, here, trailer. That's true. Like maybe him putting the axe to the bathroom door, the baseball bat on the staircase. Yeah, maybe. Um, my, my, my whole point being is that like, we should talk about blood machines. Yes, That's right. you're right. <laughs> and speaking of blood machines and speaking of chaotic images, we watched the blood machines. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think? So a lot of us went into it blind today. Dig, I'm going to start with you. What, what, what was your initial first take? Uh, it de- it definitely did feel like I was watching a music a music video. Honestly, like it was just um, it was uh, it was angelic. It was faithful. It was also uh, witchy. You know, um, I would say it was um, hmm, it was definitely like a visual treat. You know what I mean? But I, I feel like that's really like, you know, that's like the biggest thing I got from this movie was like, you know, check out this really cool synth wave music. I've never I don't listen to a lot of synth like mm. whenever I'm like designing or something, I'm usually listening to like something more rhythmic like hip hop or like lo-fi or even like really melodic metal. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I don't really frequent synth wave, but I feel like the the um the movie kind of um i don't know i think it visualized it quite beautifully honestly um i mean yeah the movie was pretty uh definitely like kind of jaw-dropping it was like oh wow like what what the f but i it was fun it was a lot of fun yeah it was a good time i was honestly i don't think i could sit through that movie if it was like an hour and 15 minutes i think 50 minutes was like perfect right and i heard about this project for a while and when i got the news like it's gonna be 50 minutes long i'm like what why not 90 minutes why not two hours mm. but after watching it this is great it's just 50 minutes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. aaron what do you think i thought this was a very visually rich movie uh, tons of symbolism and uh, wonderful use of a color palette. Mm. Um, yeah, cinematographers are going to have fun with this one. There's a lot of um, like center point uh, framing for all the shots. Um, I think that it 
I, and we'll get into this in a second, but I got a lot out of it in terms of themes of, um, like gender dynamics and, um, like abuse versus care and things of that nature. So there's a lot thematically there. Uh, and of course it's a visual and sonic treat. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I could have, could have had a longer movie. I would have, I would have liked it, but it's also nice to have these kind of bite size, uh, short movies that, you know, you don't have to commit an afternoon to unless you're like us and you have a podcast. <laughs> right. And I just think about the runtime of 50 minutes, four minutes or five minutes shorter. This will be a TV episode. Yeah, that's true. So it's like, you can tell the narrative of a film within that short amount of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Josh, what did you think of the movie? Um, so this is going to be a little controversial, but I thought that aside from the visual effects, it 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 very much is a movie that is a, a kind of a demo reel for both the like artists involved and the musician involved. Like it absolutely is to be taken as a long form music video, in my opinion. Like the CGI is amazing. I love it. It looks fantastic. Everything that was set up was really amazing. And to your point, Aaron, like the actual framing of a lot of many of the scenes, like the standout solid scenes by themselves could be a piece of artwork mm -hmm. hang on your wall. But I will say, I don't know if a movie that tries to have a chronological story told was really the right format to go. It felt right. again, it would make a really amazing demo reel for any of the artists that well, as part of their demo reel as any artists that worked on this. Absolutely. hundred percent. But as a movie, I don't know. It just, it could have been a short, like very condensed. I felt like it was more there trying to show off the visuals, show off the music, show off essentially again, like long form music video. So the acting and the dialogue and the story really just fell flat for me is just like, okay, let's, let's finish this up and get past this. This doesn't really interesting. This really yeah. isn't like compelling me in some sort of way. Right. So, you know, uh, to your point, Aaron, visually, audibly, it's, it's amazing. But to me personally, the, I could literally live without any of the dialogue. I could live without any of the characters. The characters could have been silhouettes, mm -hmm. honestly, and we would have still gotten the same yes. film. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, I want to unpack that even further because I do have something to say about that. Okay. But before we get there, let's talk about the movie proper. So how we'd like to do this on Syndicate is the elevator pitch. Please stand clear of the closing door. Since I have three of you guys tonight... I need to pick just one. Who would like to volunteer as tribute to summarize the film within one minute? Will it be you, Diego? Will it be you, Josh? Will it be you, Aaron? Who will it be? Um, can we vote for someone? I would like to vote for someone, yeah. Let's vote. Oh, my God. F. I'm going to vote for Aaron. I'm sorry. I'm going <laughs> to vote for Aaron, too. I knew it. You uh, just, you just, you summarized it so well already. All right, Aaron. So, okay. Who okay. are you voting for? You, you speak, <laughs> uh, to hype you up, Aaron, okay, not you me. speak very eloquently. I just want to let you know. I will do my best. <laughs> All right, Aaron, I need you to summarize Blood Machines within one minute. All right. We're going to start in three, two, one. All right, so some space pirates, space truckers, they uh, shoot down this AI ship or a, a, an AI system in a ship 
regardless, it crash lands and uh, they're off to hunt it down and return it to some corporation because it's so valuable. Um, but they are stopped by these like crazy looking women with like red, purple, blue hair. And uh, th there's basically this uh, tug of war between uh, the crew of the ship and the women that they encounter over the AI system, Mima. And so it, it ends up being this huge whole chase. And then there's a bit of AI sentience slash control. And it gets crazy from there. With five seconds to spare, Aaron, you did such a great job. Oh, thank you. Snap, 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 snap. So let's get into it. The movie Blood Machines. It's very visually intoxicating. We talked we talk at length about its imagery. And let's get into it further. So, Josh, I want to bring it right up. So you talked about how this film felt more like a vehicle for the music rather and than the a vehicle for the, music, the story. A music for the vehicle. A vehicle for the music and the art. Like like mm. like being a 3D artist mm -hmm. myself, I absolutely hundred appreciate all the effort that went into the visual effects, the models, the texturing, and the setup, the actual like everything they did to get where what the final product is. It's amazing looking. It's an absolute feast. And it's really well done too. Like like I saw no issues where I was like, oof. That looked like it was hacked together in Blender. Um, you know, I didn't. I didn't, yeah. I didn't ever think that. Everything looked like it was very well put together. So, if this was a film that took any number of like time and was on some sort of budget, which they had Carpenter Berg on it, then they probably did. I would imagine there were like at least up to ten people working on the actual visuals, mm. like artists and animators and everything you can imagine in between right. to make this come together not even counting the actual visual effects team that works on it after those artists get their hands on all the individual assets yeah like right so i appreciate that 100 percent, but that's why more so i'm just like it didn't really need any kind of whatever you're trying <laughs> to do here with the story mm. like i i appreciate there's some deep message there and i can see some of the themes that you mentioned aaron regarding you know gender identity and like loving versus abusive relationships and things like that. Absolutely, those themes are there, but I think they're just on the surface. And it's like, they're almost kind of like throwing their hands up saying, oh, by the way, men and women are different. So you'd rather like do without the plot, do without the narrative, do without the character, and instead have either like fully visuals or like fully commit to a narrative film format? I think that trying that to have a narrative... right on your face. Trying to have a a deep deep narrative that uh, oh, oh. on your face having a deep deep narrative mm. alongside intense visuals that you've poured a mountain of energy into you kind of end up with a clash i personally okay. i'm the kind of person that advocates for the stay in your lane sort of thing where it comes to if you're going to do a movie figure out what you want to focus on this movie this story this cinematic endeavor whatever you want to call it it felt like they had trouble finding focus. Well, it's the amazing music. Okay. Well, it's the amazing visuals. All right. Well, there's a great story here too. Okay. There's some awesome things we want to talk about. Okay. And we're going to have 15 minutes to do it. Okay. Do we have some good actors? No, they're all just people you've probably never heard of. It, it very much felt like on the very limited budget they had, they tried doing all these different things. And that's why I'm kind of just like visuals, 100%. I would absolutely watch it again for the visuals. You know, six out of six or seven out of ten for the entire film. What drags it down keeps me from loving it is that 
the rest of it's kind of just shoehorned in there on top. Like, again, the writing, the dialogue, the acting, it's just mm -hmm. very much like, let's just throw this on top so we have some sort of like flow that the audience can follow. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it fits for you. No, not at all. Not at all. The, the, again, the, the, everything regarding what's supposed to make a story feels like it's just slapped on top of what the film was really about. What the, I could, I, I wouldn't say a film because it's 15 minutes. And we don't really get, we, we barely get the characters' names. Mm -hmm. We get their names only when they call each other out and where they introduce each other. Mm -hmm. Other than that, the characters are just, they're kind of segue us into the next big cinematic amazement they want to show you. So you're saying, and we're going to, you know, before getting truly off the fence with this. So you're saying that this film is more of from the minds of the band rather than the director. It's a visual feast. It's a visual feast. But in that, it's not a, it's not a thinking man's film, so to speak. Like, there's a lot of really amazing films out there, and if you look back in history, even like visual effects wise, when you had the golden era of visual effects, you know, like when Star Wars came out and Indiana Jones and all that good stuff, movies back then, even when they had visual effects, they weren't throwing them in your face all the time. It was a focus on the story, the acting, the script, things like that. But then as time goes on, we still get movies that have the ability to do these amazing special effects. But some of the best ones in recent memory, if you think about it, have been ones where the story is really emphasized, the acting is really emphasized, and the special effects are kind of just like they're made to be in the background. They're not the focus. Denny Villano's Dune comes to mind. The special effects are amazing. They're mind-blowing, but they are not the focus. They're in the background. They support the acting. They support the characters. They support the world. That is visual effects are a stage on which the actors play. Mm -hmm. As opposed to a Michael Bay film. As opposed to a Michael mm -hmm. Bay film, I dare anyone to come up to me and tell me the plots of all the Transformer movies done by Michael Bay mm -hmm. individually. I mean, we can't say, well, this mm -hmm. one thing happened. Yeah, but was that one, two, three, or four, or five that that happened in? Uh, it's just like, it's, it's like he clearly wants to focus on the visuals and the big explosions right. and the crazy shit happening. Everything else is kind of just a ride along. And that's why I personally don't find any joy in Michael Bay films. So Blood Machines is too much style, not enough substance for you? I don't. It's more of a, it's more of a, I can see somebody on the street wearing the most amazing freaking outfit, clothing and presentation possible. Mm -hmm. And I, they can walk me by and I can be like, wow, that person like confident, they've got swagger, they've got style. But if they come up and talk to me and all of a sudden they want to pour their heart out about their next big book and go on and on and on about how intellectual they are, how open they are, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, like, what are you trying to do here? I'm getting bombarded in both senses. Mm -hmm. So I'm not mm -hmm. saying that there's not a visual feast or there's not an amazing piece of work here. What I'm saying is that I'm having a hard time digesting what, 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 what's the point of bringing on the, the ride along of actors and dialogue and so forth if what you want to show is a visual feast. So what if the film is more of a, it's still having that visual feast, but it's visual storytelling. And maybe you're focused in on the, the writing, which is maybe, as, as we could say, suffering a little bit. Because like, as Aaron watched it, he extrapolated all these themes visually evoked to him rather than, hey, let's talk about this, you know, through the dialogue. But they talked about it through the images shown to you. Yeah, I think almost like... um like Josh, like what you're touching on is almost 
I don't know the when I think about um, your critique about how you kind of wanted to the movie to stay within your own lane, right? And you like you weren't <laughs> crazy about like the characters and whatnot. I almost kind of think like, yeah, that is an aspect of a of like a visually audio experience of a movie, right? Because like you don't really care about the characters, and at that point, like you find out. Um, kind of linking back to some of the like deeper things presented and like what people were doing. Um, you, you know, you you kind of wanted to watch the characters like get their just due, if you will. <laughs> um, so it was you know at that point too. I think that also like is a like a a movie like vessel if you will a technique to just say like hey these people aren't important and like this is what you should be paying attention to you know so yeah i mean question mm -hmm. would the movie in your mind have been any different if it had no act voice acting whatsoever if it was a silent like interaction where all the actors said nothing to each other here's the thing because I was thinking about that. I'd like to speak on this as well. There's another, <laughs> I don't know what it's about France, but like we have all these electronic bands of, you know, telling a story because like a good, a good like parallel is Daft Punk's Electroma because like they made a film, but there's no dialogue whatsoever. Hmm. It's essentially a two hour or a 90 minute long music video. But they stuck in their lane. That was the point. They wanted a visual feast and an audio feast, not a let's let's focus on the acting and the dialogue and the. But we're not talking about that film. Fair. We're talking about this film. Mm. Fair. Mm. So maybe it needs some sort of dialogue because, like, we can infer a lot from imagery. But like, if you watch a film with zero, like, language uh, dialogue, mm. whether it's spoken or written on the screen. We're all going to interpret it. It's crazy different uh, tangents, except when there's some sort of narrative attached to it. Here's a paragraph. I'm sure David Lynch would be disappointed in you. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. So to your point, it's the fact that the narrative was part of this kind of um, showcase for uh, the artists and uh, the music. Um, because the narrative was attached to that and because they're so underdeveloped, do you think it basically undercut the quality of the movie as a whole? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's the whole idea of like if you have an unlimited supply of musicians playing in the same orchestra, do you use all musicians at the same time for every single play? No. You use the specific ones you need timed at the specific points in the specific tempo following a director that knows they're there to put on a specific show and play gotcha. specific pieces as opposed to i have all these musicians let's have them all play at the same freaking time yeah see how many people sit around and listen to that mm -hmm. in my opinion it's the same thing for a movie if you sit here and you say well i want amazing narrative i want dialogue i want visuals i want chronological storytelling i also want this oh i just want the actors to look like they have really good costumes and, and like all this stuff that you're putting in that it comes down to a point of what's your focus unfortunately a parallel that comes to mind is the star wars prequel films george lucas was notorious for wanting to focus on way too many things and that's often why the prequel films did not do that get cited as not doing that well is because is this a political drama a romance a sci-fi action a war movie what are we trying to do here? Like, mm, so that's right. what I kind of feel regarding blood machines. 
is I didn't quite understand what was the ultimate intention. There's something really, really good here, but I just felt like it got drowned out by what are essentially ham-fisted attempts at storytelling as a whole, mm-hmm. acting as a whole, and di- written dialogue as a whole. It's just, it feels really like, oh, by the way, <laughs> by the way, these people have speak. <laughs> wow. You know what? I think you're absolutely right. But also, you have to take into account that so I guess there's a difference between, I don't know if it's like intellect or the resources that the original artist uh, has uh, too, because like think about this artist, they're a French uh, synthwave band. They probably don't have a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like this is definitely uh, a, a passion project. Um, I don't think they're like, and we're touring the world right. uh, with our music. It's a passion project. So he probably doesn't have access to, say, someone who is more successful like a George Lucas. He can hire people, you know, like, I'm writing this uh, film, and, like, I have, like, 90% of it, but I need that little 10% to put it over. You know, he has, like, you know, he uh, recognizes I need to hire the best people and then create this awesome product rather than uh, Carpenter Brut is like, you know, okay, this is the story. This is, like, the images. But uh, let's hire like a run and gun director, because I don't know how much this director has, uh, you know, input on this band. Because it seems like the this film is very adjacent to their music videos, right? So it's like mm. they're doing it on a grander scale, but they need a director to help them out because they're not directors; right. they're musicians. So they're the visuals of like their past music videos are very similar to this movie. It's the same aesthetic. Oh, same aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's logos in there because, like, in the film Blood Machines, there's this like pentagon of special effects. That it's like have. a rose, yeah, it's like interlocking pentagons. Yeah, oh. and that's like a aesthetic in all of their music videos, and then oh, the inverted so. cross. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. it, feel, it feels oh like, gosh. and this is the movie of the band, right, right, that right. whole story they want to tell, like the band. The movie, yeah. Which, yeah, which is still con- it adds more confusion to me. To your point, if that theory is correct, if that theory is correct, then it's even more unsensical for them to have had the parts in there that I criticize this movie movie the most about. Mm-hmm. It's just like okay, if you're trying to show off the band and the music and the visuals of the band. Why are we having people that seem like this is their first acting gig they've ever had? acting mm-hmm. why do we have dialogue that feels like it's very much just there to oh and over there as they point off in the next thing the camera has to look at it yeah i i guess i see it differently i thought the plot and the characters very much stood out of the way of the rest of the movie mm-hmm. um because i could definitely definitely imagine a version of this movie where they just can't stop talking and explaining oh, yeah. everything <laughs> and cracking jokes and all that crap Mm-hmm. Um, this movie doesn't have that. Um, there has a little bit, but it really much stays out of the way. Um, I really do think it's it's down to budget and who they could hire. Mm. Um, because yeah. it seems to be, I have no idea if this was kickstarted, but it just it seems, was it was because I gave okay. money okay. to it. Okay, <laughs> and that's right. why we're doing the pod. Is that why you <laughs> yeah, I it, I I almost wrote this down in my notes, but I was like, this feels kickstarted, both with. They have like they have like one and a half 
chapters of the movie that play before the title sequence and then it's like the rest of it so i'm like hmm i wonder if they put out chapter one to raise money for this but um visually like the quality of the of the cgi is good but you can tell it's not like studio level oh yeah um some because of that and like the um vintage film filter that they have on it i'm like this feels kickstarted so if they have like even like a Kung Fury budget, um, they're not going to have the money for the best actors or directors or writers. So to me, what it felt like was they wanted to have a bit of a story in there. They wanted to have a plot, but they really wanted to focus on the visuals and the music. And so that's where they put their attention. And they're like, if we can't have a wonderful plot and story and, and acting on top of that, let's just make sure that it takes up the least amount of space as possible. And I think in that respect, they were pretty good and just did what they needed to do. So that's kind of how I see it rather than, you know, this undercuts the whole movie. Yeah, I right? guess I guess I'm the kind of person where um, on my perspective, it's like, even if it's in there, like if I'm I know I say it jokingly, but what may break my immersion <laughs> <laughs> is really trying to focus in on a very big in your face part of the movie and all of a sudden, like, even if it's a small bet, some offhanded dialogue or awkward feeling acting slips in there, it, it does more or less break my immersion and focus on the movie. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, if I'm trying to really be engaged with the product and then all of a sudden there's a little piece in there, it's not supposed to be there. And it's like, what the, mm. what the hell is that? It's the, it's the equivalent of, you know, you have an intense dialogue scene where maybe a cop is interrogating, interrogating a criminal, like think the the batman movies mm -hmm. uh you know with um christian bale mm -hmm. you know imagine if a wild joker's being interrogated you know all of a sudden uh gordon is like on the other side of the glass and he says man i could get some coffee <laughs> it's just, it was just like yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's mm -hmm. small it's mm -hmm. small but that would break your immersion in the scene that would break your immersion in the whole situation it's like fuck is that doing in there yeah. but that's how i felt about this movie so but i didn't maybe i'm just probably more sensitive to that yeah. no that makes sense it does make sense so let's transition into the plot of the film so aaron what did you think of the plot because like we've been dancing around that you know the visual effects aren't that great you know the writing isn't all that great but the writing that does exist what did you think about it? yeah it is serviceable it is basically setting the stage for the actual like the, the 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 visual design and the um the effects and symbolism like if that's all taking center stage the plot is basically just like the stage dressing just the framing to make it possible and the plot is basically bare minimum and serviceable i'm not defending it i'm not saying it's amazing um but it basically lays the groundwork for the rest of the story and the visuals to be placed upon. So what I gathered is that we have space pirates. Uh, yeah. A la kind of like a Star Wars aesthetic of like, you know, this grungy, you know, low technology spaceship, not very sleek. Uh, yeah. It's, it's very, very, like, grimy. It's very wet. Very wet. Yes. Um, Dripping even. <laughs> soaking. So there's space pirates. And they encounter a celestial being, I guess, this uh, womanly figure in space. Yeah. So she's she's an AI, um, a rogue AI, I guess. Um, she's either piloting the ship that crashes at the beginning or, as we find out later, might be the ship. Um, 
because the the ship when it crash lands it looks like a giant woman yeah um and the you know the ai appears at, to be like a physical man- manifestation um of this nude woman yeah and uh so that that's what they're trying to capture these these pirates and so they chase her down to the uh ship landing then eventually they capture her she escapes to like this wreckage of this like huge planet-sized ship uh and it's almost like a graveyard or a cemetery mm-hmm. of wrecked ships and so they need to go in and uh find her in one of these wreckages and try to take her back but there's also this like woman that they meet at the crash site that kind of accompanies them on their adventure sometimes willingly sometimes not and she seems to have her own plans for what to do with this ai yeah like it's that's a great way to put it because it's all told to you visually and i felt like i didn't necessarily understand their motives uh i just I'm just seeing what they're doing and I don't really know why or mm-hmm. what is this for. Um, so with this being, do you think, what do you think that was and what does she represent? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. My guess is that the most literal level is that she's a AI that has gained sentience. Um, because when, uh, when she first, like it's pulled out of the original ship that she was in and kind of like takes shape and floats up, the guy's like, we just witnessed a miracle. So to me, that felt like Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Um, we have a, a sentient, um, replicant. And or, or a replicant birth in that movie, um, and in this one, it, it very much seemed like the, the kind of like red hair lady um, is almost like a midwife for the birth of this AI. Uh, the way that she like gets on the ship and pr- prepares a ceremony, and then yeah. just like pulls the AI out of uh, the hull of the ship. To me, it felt very much like a like a birthing midwife mm-hmm. process, which, as Diego kind of mentioned has a lot to do with the kind of like pagan witch themes mm-hmm. in this movie as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's all connected. But yeah, th- um, so the pirates, they want to uh, secure the AI to sell off to some corporation, their boss. Um, this lady seems to be part of some kind of more esoteric or mystical uh, like tribe to mm-hmm. defend machines, robots, yeah. AI. Uh, and so it wants to free this AI. But as she's captured by the pirates, 
and taken along. She seems to develop her own plans for kind of revenge, kind of liberation mm-hmm. of some sort involving tons of other AI. Um, so her motives are the least clear, I would say, but um, she kind of manifests into this um, antagonist as the movie goes on further. Or oh. protagonist, if you see things her way. You're blowing my mind because, mm-hmm. like, I was I was seeing that and I was like, okay, this is like dark magic, a la Darth Vader and Star Wars. Feels like a a grittier, more fantastic Star Wars. Yeah, but like approaching it how you did, it's like, okay, it's this artificial intelligence that you know gains sentience and then manifested into uh, a figure in the physical world, and it's like this. This is. It's a whole another layer of uh, what makes this film intriguing. Mm-hmm. May I uh, peel back a layer? Because I'm there's definitely <laughs> in front of all these people. <laughs> I would say so. Um, there was uh, I don't know. I think there was uh, a couple of things that like kind of come to mind too. Is that um, essentially? Um, I think like the one of the funny things that I kind of thought was that whenever you hear uh, someone talk about like their spaceship or their boat, they always reference it as a she. So mm. I just for some reason thought it was like, oh, yeah, look at all these like ships in the graveyard <laughs> and like, oh, yeah. yes, yeah, she was. You know what I mean? So I thought that was kind of a uh, kind of interesting. Right. And of course, like just kind of if, you know, if we're thinking of it as. Um, hmm. OK, this is going to get. This is going to get deep. Here we go. Oh, I would say like, you know, I mean, kind of in a sense, um, a lot of the antagonists, really, a lot of the people that were causing a lot of strife in this movie were men. Mm -hmm. And it just also turns out that like all these ships and all these women that also essentially just wanted to be free from their abusers, from those who hold them down. Right. Because. You know, um, in the sense earlier in, I mean, in the film, we see someone who's like this, like young, good looking guy who's just like a total piece of shit. Right. Yeah. The captain. Yeah. Yeah. Or and then you even find out that like the the older man, the engineer, the guy who has to like who, um, you know, it's kind of interesting, too, because I feel like uh, in a way, abuse was kind of shown at an mm-hmm. uh, what it abuse is kind of uh, a how do i say this a metaphoric way of showing abuse at an older age where people at that age still um are willing to cause harm to their partners even if they've like been together for so long because mm-hmm. she when tracy had said you've never raised your hand against me knowing how long um knowing how long obviously he's lived for and knowing how much he depends on her it's like for her to say that is like damn like clearly like after all the stuff she's been trying to do for you and at the time the one time she's like not you know the time you know um the, i guess the one time like earlier in the movie like when she when he was getting mad like at the ship for not like doing what he wanted her to do mm-hmm. you know he he had said like damn you you know that's when she had said you've never raised your hand against me so yeah, I just kind of want. I just that was on my mind. I felt like I had to say it, and it was just like, wow, like you know, kind of really letting these subplots, these kind of themes sink in. It's I'm really, you know, I'm definitely understanding um, the film for more if it's like, you know, just those beautiful like iceberg themes, if you mm-hmm. will. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a really interesting way to look at like space exploration. Mm. Which is the the dynamics between the captain and his ship, mm-hmm. and he refers to his ship as a woman. That's 
the film portrays that very eloquently. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I was agree. like, hmm. you know, it, there's a lot to be said with that idea. Mm-hmm. And that just has a cool science fiction wrapper over it. Yeah. The, I'm glad you brought that up because the kind of abuse of women is a major theme in this movie. Um, Lago, the ship's like engineer, the old man, yes. um, like the ship just refuses to work. It's like falling apart. It's not being taken care of. And at the very beginning, he's like hitting the ship, trying to get it to work. And one of the, I'm just going to call them space witches, like the kind of <laughs> redheaded, uh, women. Um, one of the space witches is like, you know, don't disrespect your own ship. And very much could be a metaphor for don't disrespect your wife or your mother or whatever. Um, and Tracy, the ship's AI, has a kind of almost like a protocol droid um, look as far as like the actual hardware of the AI. Right. And it's sculpted so that it looks kind of like a nude pregnant woman, but being like mm. stretched and held like backwards, almost like a like a torture rack. Or similar oh. to a ship. The orn- you know, Yeah, the... the um, on the the front of the ship, goodness, it's like the ornament, the ornament. Oh, on the front like the mermaids. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it does look like that. Uh, and there's some kind of like H.R. Giger esque, um, like I don't even know what to call them, but like tendrils, like on the front of the of the woman's chest, and it's like pulling her heart open. Mm-hmm. So it's very much like the the um, a visual metaphor for like a uh, like a battered woman. Um, someone who's just being like abused and used. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, I don't know where I was going with that, except there's a lot of visual metaphors to support that theme as well. That's very interesting that that would be the kind of like the cornerstone of the ship, I guess. Like, yeah. I guess it's the, it's the most masthead masthead. Is it masthead? I, I thought that so. was the sails. That would be a sail. Neither of us are sailors, so we're probably that's, both. Yeah, I said mast, and I was like, "Wait, no, that's the like the center." Yeah, that's the that's yeah. the, that's a big that's, that's a telephone pole. That's right? the big one. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get some Wi-Fi out here, please? <laughs> but getting back into the film, so like, there's this film says so much yet says so little, and like, it's just so shocking that you extrapolated that because like using those visual images does paint that story if you lay it out like that because I didn't get that at all I was like trying to figure out like this film is visually aesthetically very pleasing and definitely uh, showcases the aesthetic of like this artist uh, art wave going on Mm -hmm. but like I didn't know it I didn't think it would have meaning behind it i thought it was just like a visual pleasure but actually it's like it's trying it is saying something yeah um and in that sense much of the movie becomes kind of a revenge plot Mm. or a revenge story because you have Corey, who's one of the space witches um she in the kind of ceremony that summons mima the ai to like a physical manifestation um she kind of gets all woozy and out of it and then the captain uh basically like kidnaps her um locks her up in the ship and he even says like you know it's been so long since i fucked a woman um and so masterful he's, he, he's, he's got a bit of a rapey vibe going on no shit um and she's able to uh not only break free but 
kind of rescue Mima. And then she ends up uh, like conjuring like AI from tons of the dead ships floating mm -hmm. around in the cemetery and almost makes like her own coven of witches mm. um, all gathered together. So there, there's a lot of weird, um, not only gender dynamics going on, but this kind of esoteric uh, spiritual symbolism going mm -hmm. on as well. Mm. Um, it's all connected. It is because like you have that aesthetic of like the cyberpunk, like this sci-fi dystopian look, but also you have witchcraft and like, you know, it seems like demonology and like there's supernatural element to it. And it's like that beautiful mixture of like science fiction and like with a uh, spiritual, supernatural, witchy shit. Yeah. <laughs> pagans. In yeah. Space. Pagans in space. Yeah. 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 That's pretty oh. much it. I just wonder if the band like genuinely believes in this and it's like, let's show it in like an awesome way. Or are they framing a story like they're they're actually novelists but they're really good at music hard to say because i don't i don't know them i don't know their motives or whatever it could just be as simple as you know wouldn't this be neat um or are they are they really trying to push a, a bigger message than that they I don't think know. ai is the celestial gods <laughs> of the universe the divine feminine yeah so, so that's a good album <laughs> <laughs> by mac miller all right sorry go ahead <laughs> so like with that theme that they created this aesthetic of like uh supernatural horror and like cosmic uh beauty where do you think the iconography of like the pentagons and the roses and the inverted crosses like what do you think is there a deeper meaning behind that i'm sure there is like you said um carpenter Carpenter Brut, Brut, um, uses much of the same imagery and symbolism throughout all of their visual work. Um, so it's got to be mean, meaningful for them, at least. Uh, I don't know about the Pentagon. I know um, the Vitruvian Man uh, that Leonardo da Vinci drew, like fits perfectly mm -hmm. into a, a Pentagon. And they kind of represent that visually at the end with the giant, I guess, mothership. It's like a, 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 a giant lady as a ship yeah. formed out of the wreckage of tons of other ships. Mm -hmm. She's arranged in this like upside down crucifix form within uh, a pentagon. So I guess you have a, a four pointed shape within a five point uh, shape. So the, I don't think it's immediately obvious from the movie what that all means, but that's also kind of the point. It's supposed to. Mm. see what it evokes within you rather than mm -hmm. be kind of a codified meaning. That's interesting. Yeah. I'd have to agree that the, you know, upside down cross, uh, the hexagon, uh, usually I think if I'm correct, yeah, the upside down hexagon is a, um, excuse me, wait, pentagon, my bad. Mm -hmm. uh, the upside Trapezoid. down, uh, stop to me, too many uh, terms. All right. So <laughs> the, um, the upside down Pentagon, if I'm correct, like sometimes when you see the, um, like a satanic, uh, symbol, I believe like the mm. horned goat, like fits like a pentagram. Yeah. 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 Fits within like the, the Pentagon shape. And then, um, what was he yeah, at the upside down cross? pentagon or yeah pentagon and i mean like her also being seen upside down too is like when you think of someone being crucified and then being upside down crucified yeah so yeah you could definitely take that that to be a lot of um like anti-christian or pagan yes. symbolism mm -hmm. um 
Could also just be because that's the band's logo aesthetic. Yeah. Who knows? Because, like, in their name, Carpenter Bro, I think it's the T. It's inverted. It's yeah. Like stylized like a cross. Is okay, so and I'm sorry, this is a bit of a stretch. Is this the same uh like artist where they have like this they kind of feature these like group of kids that they're following around and they have like the same under un upside down cross symbol and they're kind of like kind of being chaotic. I apologize. I'm I'm going off tangent. We'll talk about it after. <laughs> i don't think so okay okay well That's, thank you for answering sounds that. like a twilight zone episode i appreciate yeah. you taking time out of your podcast to answer this absolutely <laughs> were there any other themes that popped out before we go into the final segment of off the fence that's mostly what i got out of it um might be a bit of like astrology in there as far as the ceremony to birth mima was like the planets were aligning mm. um I'm sure there's I'm sure there's more that on a second watch that I would pick up, but having just come off this one, that's all I got. All right. Is there anything you wanted to say, Josh? Um no, I, I would have to agree that as much as not a Get fan that as I am on your on your mouth. No. Pull it closer. As much as that's I not, might not be a fan of the themes writing and presentation regarding story, I do agree that there are those themes there. I just felt that they were really like, like, what do you want me to focus on is where I got stuck up. So I do agree, though, the presentation of them, if they were by themselves or done in a more way that felt like they were included with the visuals, like, mm-hmm, right. the, I, I feel like we could have either gotten those themes from just the visuals and no audio or no voice. I would say no written dialogue or we could have gotten there by visuals more well integrated with the acting with the dialogue versus hold on let's stop let's focus on this really bad acting gotcha <laughs> yeah you know what i have something big to say because, okay like, let me let me break out the scale so i can weigh it how big it is here we go <laughs> it's pretty heavy oh mm-hmm. right on the table there we so go. we have not said the full title of the movie so it's blood machines colon space opera the space opera so I think we haven't even discussed, like, was this even a space opera? Because, like, we're talking about, like, the music doesn't match the visuals or the visuals don't match the dialogue. And it's like, so this was from the mind of this band, and they were intending it to be all cohesive together, like an opera. Mm, okay. Was it an opera? Mm. Are these what operas are if they were made today? I feel like putting space opera is, like, a generous term used these days. Like space opera is used to just find, let's see, Dune, Warhammer, Star Wars, <laughs> Mass Effect, Mass Effect, yeah. Um, Star Trek's gotten to find that sometimes as well. Battlestar Galactica, that like literally gets thrown around as just a catch all term for yeah. any big, large scale drama taking place in space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of a uh, term that's been worn thin. Yep. Although I'm glad you mentioned space opera because a lot of the staging in a lot of these scenes did seem to feel like you could like stage this in the theater. Yes. Because like, especially in the third act uh, where all those souls of the ships manifest into bodies, it looked like they were, you know, telling, showing the audience visually like on a actual stage. Yeah. Like you're sitting in the audience at like a theater 
and mm. like you're watching interpretive arts, but this is that in a movie I in that space. Was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So it felt like a really, really nice, expensive, well done play. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the movie just would have been better if it was mostly that. Because the latter parts of the movie, or latter part of the movie that you're describing, mm -hmm. as soon as they she starts channeling all the AIs to emerge from their corpses, so to speak, mm -hmm. there's almost no dialogue and no, and you don't, you didn't need it, yeah, because you had the characters on screen doing stuff anyways. It was it was showing, not telling, and it worked just great in my opinion. So that's why that's what I was comparing to. I was like, first half, middle half, I was like, oh geez, like how much more are these guys gonna talk? Like this is not helping. But yeah. then towards the end, when there was no written dialogue for probably a good 10, 15 minutes, I was like. Why couldn't the entire movie have been this? That yeah. would have been great. The third chapter is definitely the strongest one of the bunch. And they talk the, the littlest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you appreciate that because you went through the movie and you have the context <laughs> through the dialogue, albeit not very good. But by the time you get to the visual storytelling at the end, it's, it's like, it's almost, all right. It's, like, it's almost like watching the, lat, the third Matrix movie just to have that end scene where Matrix gets eaten. Just to, just to tie it all together. And then remember fondly that there was a first movie and it was good. Mm. <laughs> no, maybe no, not quite that. <laughs> and then they rebooted it, and then you looked even more fondly. Ah, oh, remember the first one. And then you watch the recent Star Wars movie, and you're like, ah, oh, remember when Darth <laughs> Maul? <laughs> a long time ago, galaxy far, far away. There you go. So I mean, but like, unlike Star Wars, there's no singing. But there wasn't singing in this movie either. There was no, no singing. It was all instrumental music. Okay. So if we had actual, I, I completely, say I didn't notice because I was so, so when you, when you said, invested in the visuals. When you said space opera, were you saying space opera in your, in your mind you were referencing the term space opera or space opera as a opera, actual operatic presentation in space? Yes. The second one. The latter. Yeah. Then, yeah, without singing, it kind of falls short without some, like, big, like, person, like, going about in Latin or something or romantic language mm -hmm. or French or, like, so forth and, like, mm -hmm. telling a story with, with really high, big scenes that, like, crescendo and drop and, like, hit all kinds of different areas. Then, no, it doesn't fit that bill. <laughs> so, if there was singing and if it was of that style, it would be Les Miserables science fiction? Uh, if, if, if it had no written normal dialogue and the characters were motioning just singing. silent film and then you had a eerie female vocalist that represents her in the background hanging over things mm -hmm. and her voice intensifies mm -hmm. when she emerges that would that would have been powerful that would have been like wow it would be a cosmic uh, phantom of the opera for sure and that would be a space opera Indeed. in the fashion you are referring <laughs> and I, so I really opera opera. I really <laughs> would have I, I unfortunately when I watch films and I find something I really really don't like about that drags a 10 out of 10 down to a 7 or a 6 I can't help but thank it how could this have been better? So mm -hmm. this was a 10, but then it got dragged down to a six. The more they talked, the more the numbers got dragged down for me. I'm just like, stop. So stop. I did not. I did not. <laughs> I did not like the written dialogue. I did not like the acting. I did not like the voices. The actors were fine if they didn't open their mouth and they just like it dragged it down every time they spoke. So I'm just like, okay, time to wait another five minutes for this to pass. Or, oh, well, it was going to start. Nope, he's got more to say. Oh, well, look at that. It's more empty dialogue. Awesome. This isn't helping at all. It just would drag it down more and more and more. So either you have to punch up 
the story, the narrative, to have it like be like a proper quote movie, not really space opera, or you punch up the dialogue as singing and melodic, and then oh, it's an opera because so it's like you have to choose one, and this movie chose neither. Because then the singing, the voicing of the main focus of the story, which is the rogue AI, the woman, it would have lended into the visuals. It would have yeah. mixed with them. It would have been part of it as opposed to, oh, man, I haven't fucked a real woman in blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> yeah, why? Yeah, yeah. Why? Why are you? Why are we being told this? How so this you know happen? that he's a meanie and a racist. Yeah, because I didn't know that by him grabbing one of the female characters and pointing a gun at her. No, I didn't know. Oh, man, <laughs> we couldn't show that through him. It's, his behavior is non-verbal, eh? So that, that's what I mean by like, like I could have done without this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you needed yeah. to, I, I think, for the revenge um angle of the story to work you really needed to despise the captain mm. and, and it got ham-fisted it, it did. got ham-fisted it did i think they wanted you to know just how much of a rape he is and um and that was the yeah it's, it's so overt that's, that's like oh is. well he's you, gonna you rape her that. there's no question about it just drag her onto the ship handcuff her you don't need dialogue for that yeah yeah that that could have been it or, and they, we don't have yeah. to make him. We didn't have to make him or his dude these parallels. You could have made it. They were working for the same evil corporation, and they're forced to do a job. And it would have been more tragic for them to be we're stuck in this situation to carry out orders. Not a I'm a big meanie that likes to rape. <laughs> like yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, I guess you you could you could either flesh it flesh out the dialogue that we have to kind of make them less than. Uh, one-dimensional villains or what you're saying is drop the dialogue entirely and just drop it entirely show don't tell show don't tell and and that kind of dialogue to build somebody up to be that reprehensible and that disgusting of a character it takes time it takes like think of the hunchback in notre dame we don't mm-hmm. hate the frollo the 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 worst the horrible priest we don't hate him because it's implied that he's going to rape Esmeralda. we hate him because of all the build-up leading up to that how mm-hmm. he treats quasimodo how he interacts with the public how he cares it's a build-up so by the time you get there further in the film and he's up in notre dame burning to death you're yeah. just like i have a solid reason in my head an emotional reason as to why this despicable character should die why they should suffer not just Oh, he said some horrible things. Oh, oh yeah. he deserves the worst. Well, we even even get how much of a prick he is, just like by what he does, not what he says. Exactly. Like when he's when they land on the planet and he's trying to engage the elevator to go down and it's not working, he just like shoots the console and then like tosses it to Lago to fix it. And he has to say something at that point too, because we didn't get it across what he. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he like disrespects the ship there. Um, he obviously drags around Corey. Um, there and you know he's like firing his gun wildly into the air to try to like fend off everybody it's like that's all actions you can show there's really no need for dialogue to make him you know more of a prick yeah they're just yeah there were just many more opportunities to show versus telling yeah i think it would have been more effective if we had those scenes where you saw visually the mistreat that he does rather than the easy way out of you know wanting to rape your own machines yeah i think it's because don't don't, don't stick your dick in the computer <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> r2 no 
I think, oh, cool. Jeez. I, think I mean, it, it could fit a lightsaber. I was also stop going. <laughs> I, okay. So I think, I don't want to say it's lazy, but I think it's definitely the easy way out to just have one line of dialogue, one singular scene where you know exactly what his intentions are and it makes him into a cardboard cutout. And I think this film, if it had more time to gestate, you could have fleshed out more aspects of the film. Yep. But instead it was, I want to show my visual skills of this art movements I want to make and also sell my album and, you know, make, mm-hmm. show, show off my awesome music. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, maybe I just need another year or two to find a story. Yeah, and and to your point, who knows how much input or oversight or like hands-on Carpenter Brute was, who knows what kind of collaborative effort um, the director they chose, the writer they chose had, and how much say these kind of projects like it, it really does get steered by the more powerful personalities where, yeah, they'll have experts in to help out and work on their pieces, but sometimes you get people in there that are just like, really and carpenter burt might just be that kind of artist or maybe the director he hired he gave him complete utter control and they just or that collaboration gave him well we don't we'll never know most likely i mean maybe it was a documentary but yeah so right. so it's like it's it's really like like they could there there was alternatives in front of them but nobody voiced a like an alternative it seemed like saying hey how about we do a silent uh movie instead no talking no nothing just the music and some way somehow either that person got vetoed there was enough people that felt that way, so they went with, no, no, let's have, let's write some dialogue real quick. Right, it's kind of like looking at Denise Villeneuve's Dune, because, like, imagine if Denise Villeneuve didn't have complete control over the project. I don't think it would be as great. Yeah, he wouldn't have done it in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. Or even David Lynch, if he doesn't have a lot of oversights. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I re- he's not going to like the project. I read recently that he didn't like doing his version of Dune. Like, he wasn't happy with it. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I'm i not sure this is, but I read in passing that he had said or been in an interview or something that he didn't, he hated how Dune came out and that he didn't, he regretted or treating, treating the Dune license that he got or the go-to to use it. He regrets treating it as kind of just like, oh, I didn't really know what Dune was before this. And he just wanted it as a platform to tell his own story, to carry his mm-hmm. own world. Mm. So he, in passing, I think mentioned like he regretted doing that because he's just like, it's a great piece of literature. And he's like, at the time, he's like, I, I should, I wish I said no. I wish I said no to directing it. So as cult classic as that Dune is, he, I, I don't think he was very happy with it. All right. So we talked about the film at length. So let's get off the fence. So we talked about Carpenter Brut. We talked about the director, Seth Ickerman. I don't know who had more control over the other, but do we think this was a strong directorial debut for the director? Honestly, pretty good. Um, I know I know, Josh has had his issues with this movie, and I share some of them. Um, I'm totally throwing you under the bus. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> but um, uh, Throw me for, under the bus. Run for me first, over. <laughs> for, for a first-time director, it makes a lot more sense that we got what we got we may not have the wherewithal to be like no we don't need dialogue um it, it might have been a decision on his part to be like well we've got to have dialogue you know um who knows i don't want to ascribe any motives to the guy but for first time directorial directorial debut mm-hmm. um you could certainly do a lot worse 
And as a matter of fact, I enjoyed this quite a lot. So I'd say strong work. Keep it up. Wow. What about you, Josh? Let's get the other aisle of this topic. I would say that first-time director, I, I would be impressed. To me, a person's first published work, regardless of movie, book, whatever, like is always going to be garbage. Like Even if it goes to a million different people and has financing and things like that. So that's why giving a 7 out of 10 as someone's first movie, I think, is generous. Mm -hmm. And so I really did enjoy it as a first independent air quotes film. Um, <laughs> it, it does a really good work. So I really liked a lot. I definitely would consider a second viewing, maybe maybe on mute and with the movie's soundtrack <laughs> matching up. I you know, have that cut instead. Um, but I still maintain my original score, 7 out of 10. It was, it was a good movie. Yeah, really impressive for a directorial debut. There's definitely been some bigger names with worse directorial debuts in the past. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. What about you, Diego? What did you think? Um, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd say it was, a, it was a good time. You know, a good visual treat. I liked uh, – I'm always a fan of, um, of, uh, of like, subplots and, uh, and themes within movies of just what – how people move and how they interact with one another and how it can just be seen as a different way. So, yeah, it was a nice, nice little 50-minute movie that I felt like kind of just wrapped up um, that – like, kind of wrapped up that story, which is always nice. Mm -hmm. You don't – you know – Sometimes you just don't have stories that just wrap up nicely. Yeah. And I felt like, yeah, this checks out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, with me, like, he has, this is his first movie, and he did a music video for Carpenter Brook, Turbo Killer. And it is the same story, same visuals. And that's all he's done, to my knowledge. I just wonder the quality of his work beyond this band, like just him. I just wonder, yeah. does he have, you know, that creative muscle to flex when it comes to storytelling as a part to, or as opposed to showing a story visually, it's like, you want to tell this story? Okay. I'll show you, I'll give you the lookbook. So I don't, I don't, I want to say yes, but with an asterisk, like I want to see your first film, just you. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. You know, I'm sure. I'm sure Carpenter Brit had a massive amount of input into like the direction of the film, where things right. were going, the pacing. Obviously, like I'm sure he had a lot going on. Even if he didn't, the director was probably like leaning on him, like, "Hey, does this look good? I'm thinking about this. I'm gonna give you the first cut." And like, mm. like I, I would be surprised if like Carpenter Brit was just like, "Yeah, do whatever you want." <laughs> mm. mm -hmm. huh. Guess we'll never know until a second movie. Do you think this paves the way for other bands to do the same, where they kind of elevate their music videos from just, you know, a three, four minute thing to a kind of less than feature length production? Yeah, I was about to ask. That oh, my here. God. Whoa. So I swear I did not look at your notes when you were out of the room. <laughs> um, I don't. I want to say that it is so. Is this like a copycat uh, aesthetic when it comes to like, oh, Synthwave. Let's make a movie out of that aesthetic. Um, or it was a love letter to Synthwave. I, I'm not really entirely sure. But the point is, I don't think we're going to get like, quote, other films inspired from this. I think this is definitely a flash in the pan mm -hmm. when it comes to this uh, art style and music style that's like crisscrossing right now 
I mean, I want to see some stuff from other people about, I don't think it's going to, I think it's just, this is a one and done for maybe ever. Hmm. What uh, do you think? That's too bad. Cause I would really like to see more either in this style or I guess these kind of shorter movies as almost like a concept album for a band. Um, almost like, uh, like Pink Floyd's The Wall. Right. Stuff like that. That'd be that'd be nice to see that make a return because music videos have kind of fallen off as an as a art medium, like they used to be. Um, and something like this, where it's a nice lightweight Kickstarter budget, mm-hmm. um, or at least a small enough project that you could kickstart and get off the ground, uh, and then make it, and then you're done. I think there's a lot of opportunity there to see some really cool works come out of it, and I think this is a pretty good example. Maybe not right. the best ever, but pretty good. Right. What do you think, Josh? Um, I think I would like to see more. <laughs> I definitely would not mind seeing more contributed to this kind of medium. But uh, to your point, Armand, I don't think we're going to see like a huge breakout of like this kind of um, film, this kind of medium. So I would like to see more. To your point, Aaron, I think it's a great, a great piece and movie and what it tries to do it does what what it does well it does really well mm-hmm. what it wasn't trying to do it 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 is barely there and it's more intrusive than anything but i think if it could inspire more directors and artists to take like this approach this kind of 50 minute 100 minute 110 2 hour long like visual feast slash mixing music with it mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Like, definitely. If there could be more like it, more like, it'll definitely give people ideas, I think. Hmm. There, I feel like, is plenty of, like, what y'all are looking for, in a sense. I, Um, yeah, have you guys seen um, Kanye West's uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy? Because that is, um, so that album, right? I've heard the album. Yeah, there's a literally like a, a video that goes with it that's like half the length of that. It's about 25 minutes oh. long. You've never, dude. Is yeah, that the one it. where the oh, people sh- are going up into the sky, into the clouds? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I guess that's not it. It's mm, Kanye West music video. No, this is not the one. Aaron, you would really like this. Uh, I think, yeah, I'll have to yeah, check it out. Yeah, yeah. So that and um, what else am I thinking of? Um, Og, which is the uh collective created by ASAP Rocky, it's like his creative label. Okay, they also have a another um like a album visualization, like a, a story tell a storytelling of the album, if you will. Okay, um, and and honestly, as someone who's very uh. I think someone else who's like very large doing this. I know Beyonce's Lemonade has like um, also like the album came out and then this whole movie like that kind of like, you know, went along with the album. It came out and a lot of her visuals, too, are like interlaced Hmm. and whatnot. And see, that's the other, I think, interesting thing, too, is that what you see from a lot of music artists is that they'll have each music video for an album they release or kind of. Yes, like. They they're not really technically together, but they have visual themes within these music videos. And I think it's like, you know, someone could easily splice these together. Right. But, yeah, it is that kind of um, that kind of thought of like that blend of music and art. Oh, and another one, um, a third one that just came to my mind was um, Schoolboy Q's Blank Face. 
There's about three parts, and I want to say 15 to 7 minutes long, and each one is just like, just kind of tells different parts of his life, mm. and at the same time, also just like, um, you know, it is like bringing that, uh, those um, songs to, to life, and like just really bringing, mixing that sound and, uh, and sound in them. Uh, visual, visual and audio. Yeah. <laughs> My fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I just haven't been looking hard enough. You know, yeah. All right, guys, do we think this film was faithful to its name? Was it a space opera? Or was it just a science fiction movie that's pretending to be an opera? I, I think that look, that circles back to what Josh was saying earlier, that mm -hmm. the term space opera has been like stretched far enough to, be, to cover so many different things that we don't really know what it means anymore. Um, if you're thinking on the more literal, like opera set in space, uh kind of it has that kind of stage play um mentality that mm -hmm. i think could fit that um but not a lot of the other features of opera um like vocalists and uh kind of high drama in space um right so it kind of lives up to its name not really um and Blood Machines, whether it lives up to that title, I think really depends on how you interpret the content of the movie. Uh, so I will leave that alone. But <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like baby's first space opera. Let's put it that way. And I'm only half serious because maybe it, it's the great value version the of great the space value. opera. Yeah. Like Star Wars or something. Yeah. And I, I, I am only half serious because I think there is a lot to celebrate here. But mm -hmm. um, a lot of opportunities for growth as they say in hr that's good <laughs> josh i think uh, we all know where you stand uh, yeah um living up to the name yeah. is the question i i mean i guess <laughs> is what it comes down to i mean yeah. it's like okay i mean I, I didn't. I didn't. The name's not so out there that I'm like, "What the hell am I watching? What's the movie called? What is this shit?" But, but at the end of the day, you, you really could have come up with any other badass like combination of words. Yeah. Which you know, if you look at Carpenter Britt's titles of his songs, they're all like blood machines or turbo killer yeah. stuff like that. You know. So I feel like this is kind of the same spirit that blood machines sounds great. I think it fits. Mm -hmm. I think it fits the movie. But he, he could have really called it anything else, and it would have been fed as well. Like, Honestly, it tapped into that B movie aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely, definitely. It's yeah, like a grindhouse or something. Yeah. So, Diego, what did you think? Did it? Is it a space opera to you? Uh, I guess. Um, uh, what is these? specific term for space opera again? It's just like oh, it, drama in space. A right? drama. In space. 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 I mean, uh, yeah, I'd definitely say so. And uh, in terms of the title uh, Blood Machines, bl the title Blood Machines honestly does give me very culty vibes, mm. honestly. And yeah. it just makes me think of like sacrifice. And um, I don't know. I didn't. I, I thought the whole idea of like the machines having life was like really cool. So as soon as that, as yeah. soon as they said, like in the beginning of the movie, she's like, she's like she's dying she can't come back and i'm like yeah. oh this is okay i see where this is going with this this is kind of cool like you know it's i uh i liked it it was honestly it was uh 
it was a treat of movie. It was a good time. I just didn't. Ex- I just, I guess, um, traditionally staying away from like this almost reminds me of, like a movie you'd see on Sci-Fi Channel, and everyone's kind of like, Ugh, yeah, uh. But then, like, honestly, it was cool. Sharknado. I mean, <laughs> never seen it. Sharknado. It's in space. not that bad. Imagine if like Robert Eggers directed this movie, and mm-hmm. like, I want to make a space opera with horror elements. Who's Robert Edgar again? He created The Witch. Which one's The Witch again? The Vavitch. The Vavitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with Anya Taylor-Joy. I don't know who I know. Uh, the girl from Last Night in Soho. Imagine Queen's Gambit? Queen's Gambit. Ah, yeah. okay. Split. Imagine if Tommy Wiseau had directed Blood Machine. Oh, oh it would. You know what? God. We would be like, you know what? This dialogue is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, but why doesn't the captain have a girlfriend? Why doesn't the girlfriend have a girlfriend? Why doesn't the captain have a best friend who's sleeping with his girlfriend? <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> I love Lisa very much. She has my ship. <laughs> I hate that movie so much. I don't hate it. Excuse me. I digress. Don't listen to me. You're I'm being tearing me apart. Diego. <laughs> I'm really happy you didn't say Lisa. It's good. It's good. Yeah. So, okay. Let's let's get to the final question. Would you recommend blood machines as is? You know, we could create our own blood machines. We'll call up Denise Villeneuve, get Robert Eggers to write it. It would be amazing. But mm-hmm. we don't have that. We have it Seth Eckerman and Carpenter Brutt. Would you recommend this film, Blood Machines, to a friend? Um as is, it would be very, very specific friends for specific reasons. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't just recommend it to anybody. It's very much a David Lynch of sci-fi films. like, yeah. And I don't mean David Lynch movies as sci-fi films since he's done those. I mean, if David Lynch was a sci-fi movie, this would probably be it. It's chaotic. It's colorful. It's really out there. It's got some cool shit going for it. It does some wacky and interesting and really, wow, groundbreaking things. But it's still David Lynch. And David Lynch is weird by his very nature. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd recommend it to some specific people that you know would love you know visual treats like this. Mm-hmm. I would not recommend it to somebody who is looking for a specific kind of movie in a specific genre. Gotcha. I wouldn't just recommend it to anybody. It's like, oh, I like The Matrix. Can you recommend anything like that? Oh, yeah, go see Blood Machines. Like, It's like, what the fuck did you ask me to watch, Josh? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yes, with an asterisk. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Yes, with an asterisk. And in terms of in any other way, I would have to vote having been filled with a lot of anticipation for Dune number two, especially after Christopher Walken got identified as uh, mm-hmm. as uh, the Emperor. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm super hyped for that. So my mind's probably there. And when I say <laughs> definitely a Denny Villeneuve version would just blow me out of the water. I would love to see what he would do mm. with this idea where if you just gave him the requirements and said, I want you to make a story that is about a rogue AI being chased by a corporation trying to repossess her and she's granted life by a cult and I want you to do it using the Carpenter Birth soundtrack and then you know just be like all right we got money cool let's do it mm-hmm. <laughs> imagine that and with Alex Garland attached to it the guy who made Ex Machina oh my god that would be yeah. incredible be incredible so that's, that's where my answer is how about you Diego um, I would definitely love to just uh, share the trailer to like a like in a group chat and just be like, check out this movie I just saw and then drop the trailer. So I think that's that's um, that's the cool thing about this movie is that it's it's like big winner is like Kickstarter is word of mouth. So I think yes to I think I would have to agree with Josh, like definitely to the right group of people, right setting at the right time. Yeah. Um but I feel like there's a ton of other movies I'd probably just like kind of uh, suggest. I just think this one is just it's just fun, you know, like I, I almost would love to see it in a big group just to get just to hear everyone's like, what? Whoa, what? I think that would be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. The world is better because this movie is in it. So I have oh, to wow. recommend it. But it's oh. not going to be for everyone. Um, right. Your average um, popcorn guzzling moviegoer probably they're probably going to get bored or it's not going to really work for them unless they like breasts and lots of them <laughs> then this movie is going to be great um if if i have a friend who's into filmmaking um cinematography if they appreciate um like b movies or lower budget projects or if they like the synthwave aesthetic or just visual storytelling in general, I think I would recommend this to them. Um, you know, if they're a bit more of a mature and nuanced um, uh, film goer, I think I would uh, recommend it to them. Not, not grandma, not your average, <laughs> not your average uh, Marvel DC uh, movie only fan. Um, no, because I think they're, it's, it's not going to resonate well with them. Right. I was just thinking about like Marvel only fans when you said that. <laughs> Whoa. When you phrased it. Marvel only fan. Yeah. Anyways. So. I think Marvel would license that. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> makes like, money. Makes when money. You, when you yeah. make some money, you lost a lot of money over the pandemic. But anyways, I would, I want to say yes for the same reasons as you, Josh, like, Definitely people need to be seeing this movie because it's so visually amazing, but you have to appreciate it. 
It's like when you go to the art museum, you know, you see all these wonderful movements of art, but like there's always that one person that really likes that style of artwork and maybe it's not you. And with this movie, it's like, do you like cyberpunk? Do you like synthwave? Do you like kind of space operas? Movie might be for you. I think it's for you. And do you like weird movies? Then check this stuff out. (laughs) (laughs) But like, yeah, I I guess I would say no. I would say no. You're not going to recommend it. I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, to an average person, no. If you like that stuff, absolutely. You should go check it out. But like, that wouldn't be in my Rolodex of like, hey, you want to watch a movie? Check Mm. this out. (laughs) Your Rolodex? Jeez. My Rolodex of movies. I agree. It's in the be- it's in the black small Rolodex. That's like, uh, not gathering dust, but like people are like, wait, what's in that one? Me like, no, 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 no. Let me tell you a story. Oh, okay. So I that happened to me. Like, <laughs> stop it. My friend was like, I want to see a really fucked up movie. No problem. Go watch Climax. It's a, it's another French movie. Oh, well. <laughs> it's a it's a movie about somebody accidentally getting dosed with LSD mm. and you just see the chaos that ensues as this party is all dosed with LSD and all losing their minds. For some reason I thought you were going to make uh what's that one movie? Oh shoot. Not Saldo. I can't remember the name of it. Salo? Oh, Salo, yeah. Thought, 20 Days of Sodom? Yeah, I thought you were going to reference Salo. Oof. I've never no, heard of that's a rough one. If you know, you know. You know. Oh, okay. If cool. you don't, you're probably better for it. Oh, wow. Okay. So I wouldn't write because like I recommended him that movie. Like, go watch Climax. You're just like you're just like, I just want to fuck him up. I don't want to traumatize him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or um or what's the other one? The um uh come and see. You can oh, see yeah. Come and See. Yeah. 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 That's another one that's like <laughs> You, you, I, I remember somebody mentioned they said uh, they were like a victim of the Holocaust, and they went to go come and see, they went to go see come and see, oh. and they were just like, yeah, no, that was pretty much it. That was that was pretty much uh, yeah, that's pretty much what the, what they did. <laughs> I, yeah. Wow. So that happened. I recommend one of those movies, and he texted back, "What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> you should you should have recommended come and see <laughs> or Salo. He stepped up. And then he stepped down. Exactly. That's right. Don't don't ask don't don't ask see something that'll fuck you up if you don't want to be fucked up. Mm-hmm. So what rec- movies it'll fuck you up? Would I recommend this movie? No, because people would be like, what's, "What's wrong with you?" Unless you like that. So unless you like that sort of thing, <laughs> it's like I want to see something that'll fuck me up. Okay, I'll send you E Bombs World. No, I want to be really fucked up. Okay, I'll send you Four Chan. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Are you guys ready to wrap this up? Yeah, let's do it. But that's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Blood Machines. Please check it out where it is available. And before we go, thank you, Aaron, Diego, Josh, for coming on to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was a great time. And if you want to hear more of Aaron, check him out on his podcast, WSTR Galactic Public Access. Josh is on Instagram, 3D Modeling. And Diego is just an Instagram model now. <laughs> called out i uh i was helping some people uh, i was helping a friend uh model off some of his products mm-hmm. so, was Help, helping gig. a friend <laughs> guys <laughs> it was fun we had mimosas and giordanos continue yes but but if you want to keep this conversation going please add us on your favorite social media platform at syndicate that is syndicate on instagram twitter and letterboxd
or join the Discord server where you can catch myself along with other podcasters and listeners talking about this film and others at syndicate.com forward slash Discord. Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye. A man my age holds certain beliefs. 